Welcome to Crummer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. In this series, I'm talking with Crummer alumni and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Today's guest is Cameron Dawson. She graduated from Crummer with her MBA in 2012, and she has had an eight-year career with Bank of America, where she currently serves as director senior equity analyst in the chief investment office. Welcome, Cameron, to the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I want to start first with unpacking your title. Can you describe what <laughs> director senior equity analyst in the chief investment office means in layman terms? Yes. So I, I work for Bank of America and we are the chief investment office that serves a lot of the private wealth management uh, and uh, uh, trust management within the bank. And so I act as an equity analyst or senior equity analyst on, on the team and I cover the industrial stocks. Uh, so think big uh, machinery companies, aerospace and defense, old industry. Uh, it's extraordinarily fascinating. It's just you know, kind of the, the nuts and bolts behind how things work. So paint a picture for us. Are you working directly with the, uh, the, cu the customers that you serve mm -hmm. or are you working with the team that in turn works with the customers? So it's, it's, it's actually both. Uh, on the one hand, I help our portfolio managers make decisions, whether it's through uh, our internal strategies, think like a typical, sort of like a mutual fund um, in, in concept. And then I also work directly with clients when they need to bring me in for special situations. And so it's nice to have you know, my hands in, in both areas. Uh, not many people in my role get to do both client interaction as well as, you know, typical kind of asset allocation stock selection. So. Um, in a moment, we're going to uh, learn more about your backstory, but I have one more question about your current role. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyone who listens to you can tell that you are passionate about it, but tell us what you love about this role at Bank of America. I love that I'm, I, it never gets any easier. <laughs> and that every single day is completely different. It's, it's not a, a kind of role where you accomplish something and you're done and, it's, and you can rest. Uh, the market and the world changes every single day. And so it's my job to be well-read, well-educated, uh, and to be as in tune with things as I possibly can be, which means I can't rest. You know, I, I have to stay on all the time. And, and that kind of engagement is really exciting. I don't get bored. Um, and, and I find myself very lucky that doing research, just like I was in, you know, in school, uh, is my job. You know, most people also don't get to use their degrees and their work, you know, between economics and finance, I get to use both of them. Uh, and I think that that's a, you know, a, a, a huge um, honor, right, to be able to you know, be, in, uh, be able to utilize all of that education. I, I think that's wonderful to hear. And it also kind of sets up our transition in that 
our audience might be surprised to learn that you were not always a banker and you had your, you had to find your way into this career. Tell us where you were born. Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida, what neighborhood? I grew up uh, near Dr. Phillips. Okay. And uh, did you go to the magnet school there? No, I went to Olympia for one year and then I quit normal high school so I could dance full time and I homeschooled myself online. All right. So let's back that up a little bit. Okay. You have a traditional education and uh, not everybody knows that you were a dancer, but uh, at what age did you start dancing? Since I can remember, uh, I have memories of being super tiny and dancing and, and it really was by the time I was 12 that I said, this is what I want to do. This is all I want to do. Okay. And were your parents uh, artistic people? Did, did you grow up in an artistic household? I would say so. Uh, my dad is a film producer. And so he's always been inclined to be quite artistic. Uh, my mom uh, was a school teacher, but still very artistic as well. Both incredibly supportive of what I wanted to do in my dancing and really enabled me to continue to take it up to the next level and, and make sacrifices, you know, in, in quitting high school that, that, you know, many parents might've been a little bit resistant to. And what I'm curious about is, did you initiate this and say, mom and dad, I really want to be a dancer or did they you know, guide you to it? Oh no, it was all me. Um, I just knew that I couldn't live without it. And I just wanted more and that I was willing to put other things on the back burner. Uh, I was always very self-motivated. And so I think that it gave my parents some comfort that if they let me homeschool myself, that I would, I would do okay. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I mean, one day I just came home from school and I said, mom, dad, this is what I want to do. I want to move to Miami and I want to dance full time. And your parents were very supportive of you, not just in saying, yes, you can do it, but they would show up and oh, uh, yeah. never missed a performance ever, ever. Um, I, I joke that my parents used to tailgate my ballet recitals when I was young. They got such a kick out of it. My mom would wake up at six in the morning to be able to get tickets right in the front row. Uh, and even, you know, even when I was still dancing all through, all through Crummer, never, ever missed a performance, even if it was the same thing over and over again. And so from a business perspective, mm -hmm. ballet is your first exposure to business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I say that because when you quit school and you said, I want to move to Miami, you were how old at this time? 15. 15. And what was the arrangement intended to be? The intention was to completely immerse myself in, in the training. Dancing was your early career and this was your first exposure to business. What were some mm -hmm. of the lessons that you got in a business context by dancing? Yes, dancing and ballet dancing in, in particular requires an incredible amount of discipline and focus and pain tolerance or, or uh, you know, uh, facing challenges. Uh, and so this 
the, the dancing enabled me to have these skills to be able to press through the challenges, um, as well as to learn how to present myself. And I think that is something that ballet and dancing in general uh, is, is so wonderful because it teaches you how to stand up straight and hold your head up high and move with elegance and be able, then it translates really well into being able to converse with elegance and to be able to present yourself in a, in a business environment. Uh, and it's funny because I, I still meet people uh, now when I'm you know, doing business and they will say, well, you were a ballet dancer at one point. And I go, how'd you know? And it, it kind of, you don't realize it, but it exudes from the way that you carry yourself. And I think that that, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, and people can, can just see it in your presence. Uh, so I wanna paint a picture of, of how all of these come together. Uh, you're a ballet dancer, you've got your whole future ahead mm -hmm. of you. You were getting lined up to go to a competition. What's the name of the competition? So I was all prepared to go to the Varna International Ballet Competition, essentially the Olympics of ballet in Europe. And about four weeks prior to that, I got really injured. And I had been struggling a great deal with ankle injuries and knee injuries. You know, my body was, was um, you know, really feeling the pain from all of the impact and the, and, you know, the, the, the training that I was doing. I, I just want to back up for a second and make it clear what Varna means. So Varna okay. happens only every two years. And it is like the Olympics of ballet dancing. And it is a big deal. So I don't want to just blow over that and, and not acknowledge. If you go to Varna and you compete and you get recognition for competing, it opens up all kinds of doors for you in the world of ballet. So tell us how the surgery turned out and if you went to Varna to perform. So I didn't go to Varna. I, okay. I pulled out of the competition so that I could have the surgery and they were able to, to remove the bones successfully. But it was a long recovery. It took about four or five months before I was fully up to speed. And I soon after started auditioning for companies and got a job with the Sarasota Ballet. Uh, and I continued to dance and it just got more and more painful and more and more stressful on my body. And I remember the moment I was making a decision, uh, my mom thankfully had forced me to take it was the ACT and the SAT and to sign up for classes for college just online. And I'm sitting with a contract in my hand and a lease to move to Sarasota. And I looked at her and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I'm in too much pain. And so that was two weeks before the semester was supposed to start for UCF, which is where I had, I had you know, signed up for, for internet online classes. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to be a college student. And I'm going to go to college. I hadn't been in a classroom in over three years. I had no idea if I was going to be good at school or not. I always loved school, but I completely changed uh, my direction and said, I'm no longer a ballet dancer. It's not my identity anymore. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like you were done with dancing, but <laughs> what we will find out is that dancing wasn't quite done with you. So what happened after you went to UCF? So I was there for a year and I had the fortitude uh, to be able to 
be in a classroom with this fantastic professor. And he said, you got to get out of here. You need to be at a liberal arts school and you need to go to Rollins. And I said, okay. Um, and so I just walked myself into the admissions uh, uh, building at Rollins and said, I want to go here. And I went through the whole process and, and the challenge was that I was a transfer student. And I went from being, you know, my bright future scholarship at UCF to, you know, going to a private school. And so I really had to make the decision of how long I could stay at Rollins, you know, that I could afford. And so I accelerated my time in undergrad and, and did it fairly quickly in two years for the rest of the degree. But the real draw and what, what kept me so engaged at Rollins was my dancing there. And I had really closed off to the idea of ever dancing at school. Didn't want to do it. And my, my mom, again, said, you have to take a dance class. You need the credits. You need the arts credits. Just go take a dance class. Fine. So I walk into the dance studio and it was Dr. Robert Sherry. And after one class, he said, you have to be in our spring concert. You have to be in our winter concert. What are you doing? Why aren't you performing with us? And I said, I don't know, no. And, and what, made was, okay. what was the new kind of dance? It wasn't ballet anymore. It wasn't ballet. Uh, it was modern and jazz. And it completely changed my view of dance. I mean, it reignited my love of performing and it kind of healed some of the wounds of having to walk away from it. And my favorite dance performance uh, experiences are on the Annie Russell stage. Mm -hmm. I you know, had the opportunity to work with incredible choreographers and do these beautiful pieces for the local community at Rollins. And it made my you know, not just my undergrad experience, but really my Crummer experience as well. I stayed uh, and continued to perform all through that time. And it was a wonderful balance because I was artistic on the, on the one hand through the dancing, but I got to be, you know, very academically challenged on the other. And it, I, I think that's what made me so happy during my time um, at Rollins. Yeah. It, hearing the way that you took artistic expression and turned it into a lesson that anybody, not just business people can apply. It is really something special. When we come back in a moment, we will hear about Cameron's Crummer experience. Back in a moment. All right, we are back with Cameron Dawson, and now it's time to hear about her Crummer experience. We're going to start with the decision. How did you find Crummer, and, and what led you to deciding to get your MBA? So I had a fantastic friend, one of my first friends I met in, in undergrad, who was an economics major along with me named John Cluwin. And he was a three, two. And he said, you have to do this. It's, it's the, the best, most expedient program to be able to do both. And so I went down that path and I actually was able to finish the undergrad completely within the two years that I was there. So I graduated outright uh, and then continued on, on to Crummer. But at the same time, you know, when I graduated from undergrad, it was 2010. We were in the midst of the financial crisis. 
And it was really hard to find a job as an economics major from the small liberal arts school in Florida. And thankfully, uh, because of the way that Crummer had its scholarship program at the time, which was related to your GMAT scores, it made it so that I could afford to continue and stay. And I really wasn't done with Rollins as well, right? I'd only had two years there and, and I would have been able to give, I would have given anything to be able to continue uh, that study. And that's what Crummer allowed me to do and just happened to get, you know, an advanced degree on top of it. And so you also continued to dance while you were studying in grad school, yes? Yeah, and, and that, was, that was the most extraordinary thing is that I didn't have to stop the performing. I could continue to be very involved in the artistic community at Rollins overall. And so it, again, gave me this incredible balance between business and the arts. And being able to have both of those, I think, brought so much joy into what I was, into what I was doing. Okay, before we get deeper into your actual Crummer study time, we're going mm -hmm. to play Crummer Insider Free Association. I'm going okay. to read you a series of prompts and invite you to say the first thing that comes into your mind. Are you ready to play, Cameron? Oh, most definitely. Great. Uh, here's the first one. I started my Crummer education in the year? 2010. And I finished classes and graduated in the year? 2012. My cohort name and number was? 17? EAMBA e e 17. Um, the next item is my favorite course was? Definitely Dr. Singleton Security Analysis. Okay, and my favorite professor was? Dr. Singleton. <laughs> so my final question for the, the Crummer experience, you've already touched on a little bit. What surprised you while you were at Crummer? that I got into finance. I would have never, ever, ever expected myself to be interested in finance. I had studied economics, which is related in many ways, but you know, as I'm sure you can tell, it's like I, I was always considering myself a very artistic person. And so I never wanted to be a suit and work at a bank or, you know, you know, be away from the arts. And I really was looking for an academic challenge. And I asked all around to, you know, my friends in the program who were maybe a year older, said, what's the hardest class I can take? And everybody said, oh yeah, Dr. Singleton security analysis class. If you want a challenge, that's it. And so I signed up and within one, maybe two classes, I was hooked and I said, this is what I have to do. And I was way in over my head. I, you know, I didn't know anything about this. And I would spend hours in Dr. Singleton's office, like trying to understand you know, what he was getting at. And anybody who knows Dr. Singleton knows that he doesn't just give you the answer. I mean, you really have to work to, to be able to, yeah. to earn it and, and to lead yourself to the answer. And it really was Dr. Singleton who said, you know, kind of midway through, through the year, through the course, he said, you need to do this. You, you, you'll be good at this. And so that was the big pivot point for me because never, like I said, never in my life did I ever expect to, to want to do this. And I was, I just, I, I, I was bitten and I, I said, I, I can't do anything else. And so he, he introduced me to some people in New York who worked in finance 
and opened up the Rollins Alumni Network to me up there, who then introduced me to a bunch of other people. And it was so eye-opening and, and I knew that at some point I had to end up in New York doing finance. And it wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for him. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't just helping you with a class. He really got you started on this career in New York City in finance. So he's really kind of going above and beyond. But from all of this experience, what would you say is the takeaway? I think it's having an open mind to change directions and not pigeonholing yourself. And it would have been very easy for me uh, to say, well, you know, I'll do advertising or marketing because it's kind of the, you know, the combo of business and, and the arts and to have the open mind to go in and seek out a challenge, I think paid off um, in an incredible way because now I am so engaged in my career. I love what I do and I, I can't imagine myself not doing anything different. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't had the open mind to say, oh, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there aren't a lot of, you know, former ballet dancers in finance, but I can still be really good. I don't have to have the, you know, kind of the background or pedigree in order to be good at this. Yeah. And do you think you turned into a suit? Oh, I'm a suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though, you know, it's a shame we're in the middle of the pandemic and I have, I have all these suits I can't, like, I can't wear. Uh, but but yes, I mean, you know, with, with a certain artistic flair. And I think that is, you know, I, I work for a big organization that still allows me to be an individual and celebrates the different, you know, individuality that I bring to the table. And, and I mean, that, that's been extraordinary because throughout my whole career at, at Bank of America, I have had people who, who've said, what can we do to help you achieve your dreams and goals? And it's kind of what Crummer did as well, right? Which is Dr. Singleton saying, this is your goal. What can I do to help? When we come back in a moment, we will hear more about Cameron's post-Crummer career. Stay with us. We are back with Cameron Dawson, and uh, we want to hear more about what happened after your Crummer experience. So somehow you found your way to Bank of America. It was made possible because of the Edward Moses Scholarship, which the finance department awarded me. And it's one of the coolest scholarships because it's a postgraduate scholarship, which I remember Dr. Singleton saying, this is so that you can wait for the right job. Don't take the first job, wait for the right job. And I had had the advice to, from uh, people that I met in New York through the, the Crummer Alumni Network to say, take the CFA. And so I signed up for, for the CFA and found out they did a scholarship program. And the person adjudicating that scholarship was a portfolio manager at US Trust, which was part of Bank of America at the time. And he said, you know, you got the scholarship, but would you like to come in for an interview? And it turned out, you know, and and this is the challenge of, you know, doing an MBA right out of undergrad is that it required two years of experience. So they actually gave me a courtesy interview, uh, not, you know, not a real one, uh, because I didn't have the, the work experience requirement. And 
I guess the interviews went well. Uh, I got the job and I continued through the you know, CFA study process, completed it within two years. And I, like I had mentioned, you know, I had these wonderful bosses who said, what do you want to do uh, with your life? What do you want to do with your career? And I said, I want to work in research and I want to work in New York. And they said, okay, fine. And so the day that I finished level three of the CFA, um, three exams that you have to take over the course of, of an extended period of time. The day I finished and got my results of level three, I got a phone call and said, do you want to come up and move to New York? Uh, we need an industrials analyst on the equity team. And I said, yes, <laughs> I, yes, 100%. And I moved up with two suitcases and a dream a month later. Is that true? Two suitcases? Two suitcases and a dream. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I went up for a weekend, found an apartment, and then moved in. Let's uh, talk about sort of bringing this all together. How do you feel mm -hmm. that you're different as a result of Cromer? My background is so unique, not because of the dancing, but because of how I got into, you know, in, into the world in, in finance compared to my peers. And it also makes me work really hard. I mean, I had, a, I, had a, I had an experience when I was first interviewing up in New York. And I had somebody look at my resume and say, oh man, it's, it, it's really impressive what, what you have done and accomplished. But just so you know, nobody would take you seriously because of where you went to school. I thought, wow, well, first of all, I don't, you know, I don't want to work there. But it, it, it solidified that I need to seek out places that celebrate individuality and different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I think about things different than my peers. And that, that can be very powerful and, and very additive to, you know, in finance, when you're trying to get an edge in different ways. And so I, I, I think that it's given me different perspective. Yeah, and, and with that in mind, do you have a message for your fellow Crummer alumni? Yes, uh, please. <laughs> it is so hard to break into the scene in finance in New York or just in New York in general or any other big cities. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Dr. Singleton connecting me with alums like Luke Brown or Alex DeBee. And I really think it's our responsibility to pay that forward um, that even if, you know, as Dr. Singleton ret retires, that we can still remain very connected to the school so as to make it possible for people like me to break into this world. Um, because we have so much to offer to, you know, what can seem to be a very insular kind of, of um, social group within New York finance. And so we need to look out for each other and stay engaged, get to know, you know, the current finance professors so that when they see somebody that they think of a, is of exceptional caliber, that they can pass them on to us. And, and I would, am more than happy to open up you know, my Rolodex and my connections to, you know, to help somebody who was just like me. Because I know I would not be here. I would not be in this job um, if it hadn't been for all the people who helped me along the way. And also with that in mind, uh, what is the best way for people to reach you if they have a question or just want to follow up with you? Probably the best way is through LinkedIn. Um, just my name. You'll find me. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, 
Cameron, we could talk uh, more and more about all the things that you've experienced, uh, but we're going to bring this to a close. And I just, I just want to say thank you so much for giving us your time today. I learned a ton. Everyone who's listening learned a ton. And we look forward to seeing what happens in your future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and begin the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Thanks for listening. I'll be back again soon with another episode. Crummer Connection podcast series is a production of Victor Media Group. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today's show was created and hosted by J.B. Adams, executive produced by Gerard Mitchell, with production by Jeremy Harmson and production assistance by Gerardo Abril. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley in Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.